Thank you. Please be seated. Would you pray with me, please? God of love and blessings, we thank you for the same. We thank you for being able to worship you in safety and peace. And we pray that you will watch over our souls and reignite in us a saving faith that will help us to heal and to grow and to bring growth for God's kingdom in the world. And so, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, either through us or in spite of us. Speak to us, thy people, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's a joy to be with you on this beautiful summer day. At least it's going to be beautiful this afternoon, I'm told. A day when the very earth seems to shout out the riches of God's glory. You may remember a, a few weeks ago when I showed you this photo of a field that I passed by on the way to church. Back then, there were just shoots of corn a few inches high struggling to grow out of the ground. And now, this week, you can see strong green stalks of corn shooting up, measured in feet, not inches. The earth is shouting out with joy for everything that God gives us. Amen? I wish we could do that in our own lives. I wish that every one of us could wake up in the morning and open our eyes and say not, Good God, it's morning. But instead, praise God, it's morning. It's easier said than done, isn't it? We can, we can look at our own troubles, our own aches and pains, and the troubles of a world that seems determined to destroy itself. And we can lose track of a way of life that saves us. A way of life that keeps us from being eaten alive by cares and concerns. A way of life that will always have purpose and hope. In the early days of Methodism, this kind of life was offered to people in what Methodists call a saving faith. It was an appropriate idea for the times, and as much as we want to think that American progress has moved us past those days, it seems clear to me that most people's ideas of progress are an illusion. Compared to the progress that God invites us towards in the saving faith. We have all sorts of technology now, all sorts of information, all sorts of human comforts and conveniences, but what we see as a constant in the world is our own ability to deceive ourselves with our sense of progress. 200 years after Methodists first called America to a saving faith, we still have wars, poverty, illness, hatred, ignorance, cruelty, injustice, and staggering addictions. America's got good at putting our need for a saving faith aside for a more general, emotional, or intellectual approach to God, one that wouldn't interfere with our notions of progress they gave us a comfortable lifestyle, a comfortable story about how our lives would turn out, no matter who might suffer because of our notion of progress. We got good 
at thinking that salvation from God through faith in Jesus Christ was just an empty phrase, just another piece of decoration in our American culture of progress. Salvation from God through faith in Jesus Christ is not an empty phrase. Amen? It is the cornerstone of all human hope. A saving faith is the fertile field from which the riches of Christian hope must spring. And in our Methodist traditions, a saving faith is indeed about progress, but a progress that does not leave God's world behind for the sake of our selfish desires. In Methodism, a saving faith is God's invitation to a life in which we are measured not only by our faith, but what fruit our faith produces for the sake of God's kingdom. A saving faith is a faith that prepares us to invite the whole world into God's salvation story, to be healed by God's grace, and to be saved from the destruction of human will. For the next several weeks, we'll explore just how great a saving faith can be through the eyes of early Christians who never knew Jesus when he walked on this earth. Like us, they had to come to a saving faith by trusting that God's story revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ could become their story through the living presence of God's Holy Spirit. They were the first generation of Christians who saw the full picture of what God had revealed in Jesus Christ to the whole of God's creation through a saving faith. And what the letter to Ephesians reveals to us is that early Christians in that important city and in other places had the riches of a saving faith in abundance. When we read earlier letters to early Christians, we see divisions, conflicts, and apostles like Paul trying to convince people of what the church was supposed to be and to become. Those earlier letters are like that first photo of the cornfield near my house. There was some growth, but it wasn't clear that this thing called Christianity would really grow or what it would look like. And by the time of the Ephesians letter, that church is like the second photo, growing strong and tall, not complete yet, but becoming what it was meant to be. A saving faith in Jesus Christ was working against all odds. A ragtag group of fishermen, carpenters, artists, and religious rebels had planted the riches of a saving faith across many nations, and faith had taken root. Today's reading from Ephesians describes what was already happening, not what might happen. People who had found a saving faith were already blessed. They were already destined to become something more through their faith. They were already feeling deeply how their saving faith had already ransomed them from sin and death. Their hearts already sealed by the Holy Spirit and receiving a priceless deposit of their full inter- eternal inheritance from God through faith in Jesus Christ. These are riches beyond imagining 
glorious peace in the middle of chaos and violence. A sense of purpose and hope that endures in a hopeless and pointless world, given something more precious in their hearts than life itself. Something that transforms life, that puts us at peace with everything that is in life and beyond Many years ago, my career brought me to a company that sold financial information to banks and brokerages. Our offices were on the very tip of Manhattan, just up the street from the New York Stock Exchange. If you've ever seen that old movie, Wall Street, and those screens, you've seen my old company's products at work. And it was an exciting time to be there. Technology was changing how people made money, and there was lots and lots of money being made, let me tell you, until things changed. On Friday, October 16, 1987, all of a sudden, the technology that had driven up the value of stocks to new heights told investors to change course. By Monday, October 19th, the American economy and then the global economy was in freefall. It was the steepest drop in American wealth since the Great Depression. That evening, just before the closing bell at the New York Stock Exchange, I walked up the street towards the exchange, and it was scary. The streets were completely empty, except for one poor man who truly looked as if he had seen a ghost. And when I got to the exchange, it was in a complete panic. The riches had vanished. I took a train home, prayed, and walked in the doorway of our little home. And Christopher and Junan were there, ready for dinner. I gave them a hug and a kiss. And I knew then, forever, where riches really are. How rich is the saving faith? Far richer than what the world has bet on. The world bets on us fighting God every step of the way towards the grave. The world bets that we'll have the kind of faith that will leave plenty of room for us to compromise, to fudge it, to heart God, but not really love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our strength and to love everyone, including our neighbors, as ourselves. The world bets on us not betting on a saving faith, a faith that knows deep in its bones the only one who can save us from sin and death and refuses to let go of that faith. The world bets that the church will die because people have given up on a saving faith. But saving faith hasn't given up on us, ever. Jesus is ready for us always to have us receive the grace of saving faith in God's Holy Spirit. In your bulletin, you'll find a study, prayer, and discussion guide to help you follow along with this sermon series on the letter to the Ephesians. I urge you to take it home, read it, 
and to read this letter in your Bible. We have three Bibles out in front if you need one, okay? Pray the prayers. Discuss it with people in your family, in our faith group meetings on Wednesdays, and before worship. There are lots of ways to make progress in this world. There are lots of ways to find success in our lives. For your sake, for the sake of God's world, and for the sake of the riches that are available to us in God's kingdom, now and forever, I hope and pray that you will use these weeks ahead to consider how a saving faith can help you to change your life and to change how we view progress and success in God's world. Your lives depend on a saving faith. Your family's lives depend on a saving faith. And through God's grace, a saving faith may yet help to save God's world. God's not done with us and will never be done with us until we've had every chance to find and use the saving faith. Amen. 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 Please be seated. What a beautiful rendition. It is time now for the prayers of the people. Times when we lift up our joys and concerns. Our losses and our gains, our joys and our sorrows. And as always, please take your bulletins home. There are people in them, real people, who need prayers. Those who are in hospice and shelters. Those who are sick, those who are mourning, those who are in military service. And we thank yet again that Kevin Collins has completed successfully and safely his military service in the Coast Guard. This week, bless you. We pray for Mike Segedi, who's at Har- Harvard Hospital. Um, it's a CHF here. I'm not quite sure what that stands for. Congestive heart failure. you think I would understand that. Let's pray for Mike, please. And we do pray for our, our blessed friend, Adam Gonzalez. Um, you may be aware that he got a, a job in the seal mill a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, on his first full day of service there, they put him in one of the most toxic places that you can imagine. And uh, so he has some um, things that he's working on uh, as a result of that toxicity. And we pray for his healing and health. We pray for the family of James Lastino. Uh, James has passed away. Please be with his family. We pray, pray for Bob and Debbie Moore that their house will successfully go through the closing. Anybody been through that process? We pray for angels of mercy and grace and that their new life and upstate New York will be blessed and fruitful. And we thank them again for their many years of heartfelt and joyful service in the love of this church. And we pray for Michelle, who is recovering from surgery. We pray also for prayers of the community. We'll be collecting more of these at the National Night Out, by the way. Oh, boy. 
I believe it says, please, please pray for Charles Chester Whalen. That's all problems. We're grateful for all the people who trust in us with their prayers. Would you pray with me, please? Loving God, creator, redeemer, and healer of all things in all places, you hear the healing that is needed for these people. We pray deeply in our hearts, O Lord, that you will bring it, and bring it soon and very soon, and what is your acceptable time. We pray for all the unspoken prayers here today, prayers of joy and sorrow and hope. Help us to have confidence to open our mouths when you offer us an opportunity to be with you alone. Help our hearts not to be silent with you and to lift up our concerns. We pray for a world that needs healing and hope, a beautiful creation that you've given us that needs your help. We pray especially today for the people of Nicaragua who are undergoing terrible violence that threatens the peace of not only their nation but our mission to Center. We pray for the people of Eritrea and Somalia and join for the reconciliation that eliminates, we pray, years of conflict. And we pray for all of these things and more in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. We have a God of love, a God of abundance, a God who provides so much for us. And in gratitude for the work of the church to spread God's abundance here and throughout the world, we present our tithes and offerings to the glory of God to reflect in our hearts the grace that we have received already. During this special sermon series, I also invite you during the offertory, if you feel so moved, to come to Christ in your heart and to ask for a saving faith or to ask for the willingness to have one. Feel free to come up during the offertory and I will pray with you. Come now. Let us offer our gifts of grace.
coming, the sun is coming out, I hope you get to jump in the ocean or your pool or in front of the air conditioner, whatever suits you. But in the meantime, we have a charge to keep and let's say it together. May the Lord of our saving faith bless us with all of God's spiritual blessings and help us to live lives that fill the world with the riches that flow from our faith into God's world. And now, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord shine God's face upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up God's countenance upon us and grant us peace and the world peace now and forever. And may the people of God in a saving faith say, Amen! Amen.